I'm Lemuel Gonzalez, repentant sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday school lesson, Without Works. This week, we continue an exploration to investigate influential and problematic St. Paul of Tarsus in The More You Know. But first, we're going to go to Texas to discuss why we don't live there, and it has nothing to do with our exes, in not necessarily the good news. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Genesis 2-7. On September 1st, 2021, 666 new laws went into effect in Texas. Just this number should be a warning to anyone with a modicum of popular culture and or religious understanding. Included in these laws are such things as an open carry law for firearms requiring no training or license, the banning of the teaching of critical race theory, and several modes of voter suppression. I will come back to some of those in the future, probably. But in addition, an abortion law was entered into the books, and that's what I want to speak about today. Texas's new abortion law, which went into effect after the Supreme Court did not weigh in, could prevent the vast majority of abortions in the state. It prohibits abortions once cardiac activity is detected in an embryo. That can happen as early as about six weeks, before many people even know they're pregnant. Unlike other similar bills across the country, Texas's law doesn't set criminal penalties for violating the ban. Instead, the law allows private citizens to sue anyone who helps get an abortion. So I have four points. I have a thousand points, but I'm going to stick to four Four points. main points, We're yes. I'm going to stick to four points. Uh, the first point is that this timeline doesn't make sense in terms of the reality of menstruating individuals. The timing would line up with an 8 to 12 day late period. Uh, and anyone who menstruates or is close to somebody who does menstruate uh, knows that you could be late because uh, stress or tired or flu or sick or uh, it's February. Vigorous exercise. Or too much exercise, yes. not enough exercise, uh, too much sleep, not enough sleep, any d- imbalance of your hormones, which is all women are, or mm. all, all, all menstrual having individuals are, are hormone imbalances at different times. Uh, that's basically disallowing anyone from seeking an abortion at any time. So in other words, it's a false... Um... Timeline. Right. Yes. It it only makes sense if you don't understand the biology, which, of course, the people who enact, who wrote and enacted this law do not understand. So either they didn't understand the biology or they're being horribly disingenuous that there's any opportunity at all. I would argue probably both of those things because if I was writing a law and I didn't know anything about the subject of that law, before I even thought to write anything down, I would do some research. It's just so it's disingenuous to right. go ahead and say. I'm sure that somebody associated with law at some point. Yeah, would well, have understood. We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah, we'll get to that sort of a thing. The second issue is that this is a bounty. Uh, this Texas has put a bounty of ten thousand dollars per individual, be it the pregnant party, their partner, a driver, hotel or motel employees, doctors, nurses, Instacart workers, 
uh, anybody who has helped somebody to get an abortion. And we'll get back to the legal part of that, but it is all done through civil court and it, all, it is all just suing that person for $10,000. The crux of our legal system, I speak as a former paralegal, I've not been to law school, I've been involved in the law though, uh, is that you can't seek a case unless you personally are damaged. That is why a lot of civil things don't go forward because there are no quote-unquote damages. And in the United States, damages is money. Mm -hmm. So what Texas is saying is, by assisting a woman to get an abortion, you are doing $10,000 worth of damage to literally every other citizen in this country. Not a random individual. Any. Any and all individuals who are of legal age to sue you. So let's say that you needed to get an abortion. Yes. For whatever reason. For whatever we'll reason. We'll discuss that later yes. on. Well, yeah. um, but somehow I would have the right to sue you because mm -hmm. your need to get an abortion damaged me. How exactly? There, that, that, is, that is what is going... That is... We're going to get to... There's already been a lot I mean, of... What is my standing to... That is the thick question. My, my point is that there is no standing. Right. You have no standing. Um, the only person I would argue that has standing in this lawsuit right. is the other half of the DNA of the embryo if they did not want the termination. No. And that is even tenuous. What uh, is, um, as far as I understand it, too, there are no real um, exceptions made in this case. No, there is currently no, because it's not criminal, uh -huh. it's not a criminal proceeding. Right. Uh, no, they have no, no statute, uh, um, or no no loophole of any kind for So this is a horror rape. show. It is a horror. It is, there is no other word Conceivably, for it. Conceivably, a rapist can sue a woman for refusing to carry his child. Yes, indeed. And, um... Not this particular legislation, but other legislation that was also mm. gone through uh, makes the penalty for seeking an abortion after a rape worse than the penalty for the rape itself. Good Lord. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, at the beginning of this section, I read a Bible passage. Mm-hmm. Largely, the abortion debate in this country, and we've sp spoken about it before, is fueled by so-called Christians who have pushed the idea that life begins at conception, which is starkly contrasted by Genesis, wherein life begins at breath. The breath of life. That is, that is what the Bible says. Now, there's no other thing in the Bible that talks about when life starts. It's only that piece. So God made a lump of earth in the shape of a man, but it was lump of earth until God put the breath of life in it. I'm going to leave it, because scientifically you can believe a lot of different things, um, but this ties in directly with my fourth point, which is, in this country, especially in Texas, right now, a living woman carrying a fertilized egg has less bodily autonomy than a corpse. And what I mean by that is, if you died, God forbid, and uh, I needed your eyes 
your your corneas were a perfect match for me and I'm blind. Make it even bigger. Your heart. Mm-hmm. I my heart is failing. And the only match on this planet is you. You, you your deceased body. You have just died. Your heart is in in a total like a state that would be perfect to put into my body to save my life. Unless you have given explicit instructions or your next of kin has given explicit instructions with you not leaving anything behind, we are not allowed to take the heart out of your dead body mm. to save my life. The same is true of living things and non-lethal things. So if I have bone marrow that could save a child's life, and I am the only person on the planet who has a bone marrow match that child, there is no way to legally force me to give bone marrow to save that child's life as a as a human being as a mm. as a as citizen of the united states or really i don't think that there is anywhere on earth that forces you right. but i could be wrong about that so i i don't i won't speak to the other countries but here you cannot coerce somebody into donating a piece of their body any piece of their body to save another person's life unless that other person is a fertilized egg in their uterus. So what? when I first heard about this, this is what puzzled me. We've covered the abortion issue several times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we have to keep covering it right. <laughs> because it keeps getting worse. And to, it, it, it is an extra-biblical issue. It has nothing to do with the Bible. Right. In any real way. It has Ex- nothing to do with the teaching of Jesus. Right. In the- any absolutely nothing to do with the teaching of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um everything, the the whole religious um structure against abortion is constructed from people's extrapolation of the scriptures. Right. There's no direct prohibition. For instance, there is thou shalt have no other gods before me, or mm-hmm. thou shalt not commit murder. Mm-hmm. Those are direct orders. There is nothing about abortion. Right. They'll say that it fits under the line of thou shall not commit murder. Right. Except for... Right. If... And this is sort of where... Scientifically, Mm -hmm. the the breath thing from the Bible actually lines up. Mm -hmm. It makes the most sense scientifically. When this entity Mm -hmm. can exist outside of my body... Right. Breathe on its own, even with the aid of machines. That's fine. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that's a problem because science has come a long way. Um, then life, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why late term abortions are extraordinarily rare and usually only done because of two reasons. One, lack of viability. That is this. There is something so wrong with the fetus that it cannot survive right. uh, and will not survive. That's a decision and that for the, the parents. And that the continued carrying of this right. child is going to be damaging the to, the, to, the, to, the, to the mother yeah. or to the, to the parent, to the and caring parent. I, um, yeah, it's, I don't understand why they're... It, it's simply made, firstly, to prohibit the rights of women to be able to decide the directions of their own lives. Correct. There's and no to, other reason. And to keep, and specifically mm. to keep impoverished women impoverished. Right. Because let's be clear 
rich and especially white women will always be able to get abortions. Well, there'll be also people who will be able to, uh, the more wealth that you have, regardless of, of color, course. the more able you are to plan of course. your life. Of course. And what is ridiculous is that often the same voices against abortion are also against contraception and sex education. This is, the, this is my fundamental issue right. with, this, with the thing, is A, um, vasectomies are reversible. Mm -hmm. And every man can impregnate multiple women in a day. Right. And women can be impregnated once a year, maybe twice right. in a particularly busy year. Um, and yet we do not target any of this right. at the male partners or the Sometimes sperm it's less donation. than a partner. Sometimes it's, it's strangers. Or Sometimes it's stranger, a person who's assaulting you. A Sometimes, parent. Right. Um, yeah. And the, to me, that part of it, the the... the disgusting possibilities that it presents where a person can insist on having a child born that yep. is essentially their own grandchild yep. or a rapist yep. can insist on yep. that and the fact that you know every nosy parker who feels that they've been injured somehow by the the act of another person yep. deciding their own fate gets a monetary reward monetary reward yeah um so the last thing little piece that i want to say specifically about uh, pregnancy I have not experienced pregnancy. I'm a 41-year-old woman. Mm. I likely will not experience pregnancy in my life. I am, however, um, aware, uh, because I have both empathy and uh, general knowledge, that pregnancy is very often neither easy uh, nor... unscathing mm -hmm. uh, the damage that pregnancy does to both body and mind whether wanted or unwanted mm -hmm. can be vast and um, catastrophic right. <laughs> so to force a woman to carry through with that for any reason right is unconscionable to place it on the in the Bible is a little bit worse mm -hmm. because the other thing about our country is there's a division between church and state. Murder is not illegal in the United States because the Bible says not to do it. Murder is illegal because it is an infringement on the on another's life or rights. That mm -hmm. is what makes it illegal. And as far as I'm concerned, it's the same. These laws are illegal for the same right. reason. Now let's talk about uh, the first lawsuits have been filed mm -hmm. uh, about this case or uh, around this. Um, I'm going to pull a little bit from a New York Times article that I'll link in the show notes. Uh, on Saturday, Dr. Alan Braid uh, wrote an article saying that he is in Texas, and he he is a doctor. He's been a doctor for over fifty years, so he mm -hmm. is up in up in age, uh, and he uh, provides um, uh, abortion care. And he performed an abortion. Uh, he did not talk about to whom or on whom, right. with whom, any of that. But he said basically, "I can't sit quietly." Well, we go back to nineteen seventy two. Come at me, because. 
he wants to try this in a court. Right. Because a law only holds up until a court says that it can't, right? Legislators can put anything into law. It's whether those laws are constitutional. That is the, the crux of whether they stay in place. And this law was going to stay on the books as long as it wasn't challenged. Uh, he's been sued. Uh, he was first sued by a man in Arkansas named Oscar Stilley, uh, who he was described in the complaint as a disbarred and disgraced lawyer. Uh, he filed the lawsuit not because he is pro-choice, uh, but because he wants this law to go in front of a judge. Uh, he wants, and, and it will not go just in front of one judge. Mr. Stilley? Will, yes. The disgraced? The disgraced and disbarred lawyer he, who is uh, representing himself. They, these cases were both filed in uh, San Antonio, which is where mm -hmm. the doctor um, practices. Um, so... The the way, reason that the law bars enforcement mm -hmm. and criminal things is so that it wouldn't go in front of a judge. Right. Okay. So this is somebody pushing. This is forcing it. the issue. They're forcing forcing the issue. Okay. And um, Mr. Stilia said he's not trying to halt abortions by Dr. Braid. Um. Okay. He says I'm not pro-life. The thing that I'm trying to vindicate here is the law. We pride ourselves on being a nation of laws. What's the law. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the Justice Department has also, the United States Justice, the Justice Department headed by Merrick Garland, has also sued Texas over the law. Mm. Um, and uh, so both of the, and then there was a second lawsuit which um, was in this case was apparently filed by an Illinois man, Philip Philip Philippe N. Gomez, described in his complaint as a pro-choice plaintiff. <coughs> Excuse me. So he is also on the side of the doctor. Mm. These are lawsuits specifically designed to push this law into insignificance. Mm. So we do have doctors standing up. And continuing on with the work that they are trying to, just trying to perform right. medical procedures on patients, giving them the best care that they can, and um, some other men pushing the issue. See, I, I, I don't understand the the complaint from various conservative groups, the concern that we somehow would fall under a kind of Sharia law. This is Sharia this law. This is a term that gets used a lot. This is the exact same thing. This is it's this disgustingly, is disgustingly um, intrusive. Hundred percent. And so my medical right. my medical decisions are nobody's business but mine and my doctor's. Right. I don't have to disclose cancer to a. I don't have to disclose cancer to an employer. Mm -hmm. And now my pregnancy is disclosed to. The entire world? Well, How is that? People making moral choices for other people, but it's what really bothers me is that it's forcing everyone to adhere to a moral code that they may or may not believe in. And even if they choose to believe a variant of that moral code um, that allows for them to get an abortion to be able to choose the direction of their own lives, because to be honest, a pregnant woman is affected for the entire rest of her life. If oh, she yeah. decides to raise the child, then this 
there goes I mean it's millions not millions of dollars. Right. But what I mean is that <laughs> Time. I'm not saying that raising a family is a bad idea, but Absolutely it's not a bad. choice for everybody. No, it is not. And so if a person has become pregnant accidentally or become pregnant, God forbid, in some sort of horrible way, forcing them to have the child reduces their chances of carrying on with the career of mm-hmm. making some sort of income for themselves. It reduces their chances of being employed. Mm-hmm. It puts on a huge financial burden on them. Mm-hmm. And well, so, no financial burden at all right. are, is, is uh, for the sperm donor in that situation. It, they're not compensated in any way. They're given very weak tax breaks, frankly. We have no support system. Right. We're, Joe Biden is finally signing into universal pre-K, mm-hmm. but I, I can't. I, I have friends and we talk about what they mm-hmm. pay for their various daycares right. and things like this. I don't. Right. I don't and understand I, how they make it work. I'm speaking as a parent who had to struggle through mm-hmm. on very little means uh, between my... And my, no support. Right. Like, no governmental support. Right. No exactly. place you, you can anything. bring your kid to go right. to work. No, yeah, none of that. That was all paid for. That was all part of programs. There were some after-school programs that we were able to use, but it really kept both me and, at the time, my wife, in a situation to where we were really restricted to how many hours she could work in a week, how much money we were bringing to the house. If there was any instability with my employment, um, it would get worse. And I stayed at jobs that were horrible. Yeah. Yes. It's wage slavery. It's, right. it's also forcing people into wage slavery. And again, my friend, but now, you know, now, but ex-wife at the time, or ex-wife now. Current, currently um, ex-wife. <laughs> when we were married, one of the big issues was finding employment that could support all three of us, was finding programs that might be able to help, and they were very limited. They helped. And you had one child. One child, right? <laughs> he had special education needs, and those we had to pay for out of pocket to the mm-hmm. sum of several thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, the school system did in no way support us. Yeah. And that was something that we constantly ran into. To the like, point where there was lawsuits filed against said school system. Right, which we had to do. Um, because there was no protection or no kind of support for us. Being a parent in the United right. States is an uphill battle. Right. Like, from the and jump. If, if you have don't have financial support or you don't have the ability to, uh, to... And it's no fault of the people involved. It's not the fault of me or my ex-wife that we couldn't get further. Because the thing was, there were terrible restrictions no, on us. No, it was a system designed we to keep you where you are. Right. Yeah. Because somebody needs cheap labor. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, so the fact that also during the pregnancy she went through a whole period of, of um, di- sorry. diabetes. Yes, but there's a term for it. I, uh, gestational diabetes. Gestational diabetes. She was violently sick at times. Yeah. She suffered from postpartum depression after the baby was mm-hmm. born. Did we have the resources to be able to... to no, we didn't. No, the resources that you had had to go to the right. baby. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so it depends entirely. And we entirely. see in the pandemic mm-hmm. how women are being direly affected by right. the need to homeschool the kids. Right. Because dad's not leaving work. Yeah. It fell in, to in the, most cases. the in stamina cases and are, the but. work ethic and the sometimes uh, just the exhausted efforts we would make to try to raise that child. And so... It's a person should be able to choose. Yes. If they're going to go on and it's make literally the right, rest of your life. The rest of your life. It doesn't stop. Nope. My child is now twenty years old, still does not stop. As a responsibility. 
right? So I um yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous that somebody, some random stranger, some nosy neighbor. Not even a neighbor. The other thing about anyone. these two cases, uh-huh. Illinois and Arkansas, don't know who the patient was. I literally have no idea what the standing is. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot imagine going in front of a judge and saying, well, he performed an abortion. He said he did. I, I am owed $10,000. Right. Not what? to mention the, the amazing drain it must put on the system there to investigate the person and get all the information. It, There's going to be no... It's a civil procedure. There's right. no investigation. Wow. It's, it's literally just, you can a just he make said, the accusation in front of this thing. Yeah. Well, Dr. Braid wrote an article wherein he said that mm-hmm. he did this thing um, because I, I gather he wanted to be the... Can they be sued multiple times for the same abortion? This, one, this man has been. I mean, but conceivably, literally everyone in the United States uh-huh. can sue Dr. Braid for this one abortion for $10,000. That's absurd and stupid. And we have a desperate um, populace right now coming out of this pandemic yeah. as slowly as we are. People are very scared of losing their homes. Free $10,000? Yeah. I mean, $10,000 is, for over 50% of the population, a life-changing amount of money. Yeah. It's, it's unconscionable what we're doing here. And it could be literally anybody. It could be the Uber driver. Yeah. It could be the um, person who checked you into the hotel that you had to come to to, to, to get to your appointments. It mm-hmm. could be the Instacart driver who brought you food while you were covered. Friends, family, significant others. Well, I mean, look at the case of my family. Nurses, doctors, yeah. I've made this uh, a point on this program. I come from a family of, you know, self-absorbed fanatics. No, but I mean all of those people can be sued. If any of the people in my life who I've separated myself from simply want to make the accusation and want to make, they can do it. Anybody. Mm -hmm. Ill will. Uh, yes, ill right. will is very dangerous, but also if I know that if if I know that you're you it, not you obviously mm, got right. an abortion, but some like your significant other got an abortion, I could just look at everybody who was around them for that two week period and sue fifteen, twenty, fifty, forty yeah. people. God, that's ridiculous. Yeah, this it's is it's disgusting. Right, it is, and it is dystopian to the point of being from a. a piece of literature Mm -hmm. this is if you see something say something Mm -hmm. this is keep an eye on your neighbors right keep them in line Mm -hmm. this is soviet worse than that welcome to gilead and that is (laughs) that is what it is yes they are stripping women's rights away from them so much you take the right to free and uh a fair medical care mm-hmm. from half more than half of your populace. Well, the next rights you take will hurt less. One group of people living in a particular construct should not have the right to determine the fate of everyone else. That's the other thing. The signing of that legislation uh, it was a bunch of old white men. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a woman present. Yeah. 
I'm like, not even for the photo op, you couldn't find somebody to come in here? No, you couldn't. No, because uh, there are women in Texas right. that are. Please oh, sure put a bounty are. on yes. women's heads. But uh, they weren't going to do it, stand in a photo op for it. Nope, but they'll file some lawsuits. They will file some lawsuits. So that's going to, that's it. That just, this is the most unchristian thing. <laughs> One of the most unchristian things. Beyond unchristian, inhuman. Inhuman. It shows a complete lack of, yeah. it, it's something steeped in ignorance. It's uh, an issue for control uh, of control and abuse. It's abusive. It is. Absolutely. One last uh, thing before we go on to Paul is, as I said, this is a deeply unchristian and inhumane law. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, <clears throat> one of the legal challenges in Texas right now uh, against the law is from the Satanic, the satanic Temple. <laughs> Uh, it is uh, the Satanic Temple TST is recognized as a religion by the IRS. Contends that the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which allows Native Americans to have access to certain drugs for uh, rituals, also applies to Satanists. Uh, they uh, indicate that there is a religious right in their in their religion that requires a board of drugs, and so they are seeking, basically. Uh, coverage for access to that drug and the right to distribute it among their members, whoever those members might be. Oh, that's embarrassing. When the satanic temple is looking out for women's health and the Christians of the same state are looking to strip them of their rights, Mm -hmm. you know you're on the wrong side. Right, exactly. Well, the fact that you put there are... Christians, liberal Christians, on the same side as Satanists and atheists, and there's yeah, there's a the Satanic Temple and the Satanic Churches also are not anti-Christian organizations. Mm-hmm. It seems like they would be. We should probably maybe do. We a might thing have to cover that at some point that, because but typically they're hedonistic. Because um, there's yes. Satanism and there's Satanism. And yes, there are and two they are, separate things. And the one that you think it is doesn't actually really right. actually exist, I, except I in the minds of 15 year old well, children. Well, if, if it doesn't. And scared right. wives. <laughs> um, I think that the, the Satanism that Anton LaVey practices is basically hedonism and drugs mm-hmm. and lots and lots of sex. Do what thou wilt. Right. There is other kinds of things, but that's not anything really that we have to be concerned with. I, I no, think. and it isn't mm. necessarily. Right. It, it's a little bit more individual focused right. than community focused. But if you look at Christians in the United States right. today, same. I, I think that we're we're, <laughs> and I don't know exactly how to address the whole Satan issue, Satanism issue, because. Yes, we, we're past the age of Gilles de Retz and Sir Francis Dashwood and actual Satanists. You know, it's the, yeah, these they're yeah, not, what Satanism is in the United States yes, today is not what is not you, that. The, it's not a horror movie Satanism. Right. It's not. So we should talk about that at some yeah. point too. But I just so, did want to bring that up that the yeah. church that is coming to the rescue here is the Satanic Temple. That's, again, embarrassing. Once again, yes, it, um, it is embarrassing. 
Next up, we talk Paul and Judaism in The More You Know. I remember having lunch with a friend, a practicing Jew, who discussed Jesus with me. He talked about reclaiming Jesus as a Jewish man from a Jewish rabbinical tradition. He said that Christianity was really the fault of St. Paul, who he considered a lunatic. A few years later, I was discussing this idea with another Jewish friend who argued that Jesus taught within the traditions of Judaism, but St. Paul twisted and changed things to make a new anti-Semitic religion. It's a, very um, it's a very common criticism. As we have seen, Paul was a man eager to assert his Jewishness and constantly remind his readers of his religious education and credentials. He would never want to be seen as the man who separated Christianity from Judaism, but with statements like this, he severed the connections. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Philippians 3, 2, 3, or 2 to 11. Woof, that made no sense. Okay. What did he say, though? <laughs> so this citation from Philippians is chronologically speaking from the middle of his evangelical career. Of the seven Pauline letters that make up the New Testament canon, this would represent an important transformation of ideas. The first part of its address, uh, he's okay. The first part of it addresses the conflict between the Christians who saw Jesus' teaching as a new faith and those who saw it as an extension of Judaism. The later group wanted to include things like circumcision in the Christian faith. Paul starts his statement as an attack on those Jewish Christians. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Certainly referring to them as dogs and evildoers characterizes them as enemies of Christianity trying to suppress the new faith. Okay. It was certainly the beginning of a new way. <laughs> there were probably not many Gentiles who were willing to submit to circumcision as a condition of conversion. Paul goes further. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. He counts his Jewishness as something which kept him from seeing the importance of Christ. All of his valuable Pharisaical learning amounted to rubbish. It probably would have been less divisive had he phrased it differently. Like he could have just said, hey, all my worldly belongings don't matter because right. now I have the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. But instead he said, poo-poo on my family and, and upbringing? But listen to also the way that he did it because I'll read the, the portions again. 
Specifically, the man comes out a great deal in his defensiveness in this. For we are of the circumcision, which is to what the seal in the flesh that God made when he made his promise to Abraham. Right, and that's from, that is, is that written in the Old Testament? Yes, that's a, one of the earliest stories in, in, in uh, Genesis. God makes a pact with Abraham, and the sign of this pact was that his uh, people would be circumcised, every male, on the eighth day. Which okay. actually has a medical reason. There's a process of coagulation that happens early on. Understood. Um, uh, I have a question. Uh-huh. In America, most men are circumcised. Right. That's not true in Europe, but it is true in America. Um, but also, most men are not Jewish. Yes. I'm going to tie it back to abortion. How can we scream, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, men have to, or women have to carry a baby. But not the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, don't cut off your, don't cut off your foreskin. I, I don't know what I don't justified, understand. there was a lot of medical... I mean, um, we don't police men's right. bodies by law in this country the way that we police yes. women's bodies. So well, no, that's we, the answer we to my do question. if they are black and brown bodies or Asian bodies. Sure, um, but not none. the particulars. No. In total, yes, mm-hmm. your whole body absolutely is so policed this is, very much. Right. But the pieces of your body and your medical... Yeah. Stuff is not. <laughs> but what we're pointing at here is that the circumcision was a symbol of Abraham's pact with God that he agreed that all Jews going forward would have this procedure done. Now, what we see in the man Paul is, for we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoicing Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though also I might have confidence in the flesh. In other words, we have no confidence in this pact, but I should have confidence that there's supposed to be confidence to be had. And then he goes on to say, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, if anyone's proud of his circumcision, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm from the stock of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin. And I'm telling you it's BS? A Hebrew of Hebrews is how he points out. Yeah, I'm the Jewiest Jew that ever Jewed. Concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. He has just declared himself without sin. So he's free to make these comments about how all of that is valueless now because he's converted to Christianity. But you see how he plays it both ways. You wouldn't be who you are. Right, exactly. You you were raised this way. It doesn't change just because your beliefs change. Right, and so I, the that seems to be the main issue of division, but this is also why in conversations with Jewish friends, they have such a problem with him because... Divorce from the context of, uh, and the oh, term that gets... you put anti-Semitic com- context, or right. comments in context, there's still anti-Semitic context. Right. Co- or comments. Well, but he's saying this as a Jew. And okay, as you see, he's declaring his Jewishness, and at the same time, divorcing himself from the Jewishness. He's saying, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. the best Jew. Right. I'm so Jewish, I'm not Jewish anymore. Now right. I am Christian. Right. What? See, it's not a... But this is <laughs> like we've explored in other issues with St. Paul, like Vessels of Wrath. He says often mm. so- self-contradictory things mm. in the same passage where it doesn't make sense because he's going, if being circumcised and being a good Jew got you to heaven, I should be blameless because I should get to heaven because I'm the most traditional Jew of all. 
But I I've given up just on saying I'm the best Jew that ever was, and also I am going to poo-poo all over Jewishness and all of the other Jews. Right, in the which world. was strange because he, at the same time, is separating it's himself. It's narcissism of right epic proportions. <laughs> because he says both at the same time that if there was a strength of being Jewish and keeping the law, I am, as he puts it, a phrase that is like a slap in the face. Hebrew of Hebrews. That's I you mean, know who's Hebrew of Hebrews? <laughs> right. Christ Jesus your Lord. So yes. Last time I checked, the most blameless <laughs> of but, all of the Jews that I've ever oh, walked. There's on. even more, wait for it. But as you see, he really it's like he's both divorcing himself from the actual comments, and then... It's like using the N-word, but being like, it's cool because I'm black, but right. like the, the hard R N-word that right. you are... It's, it's very strange reading his writings, and this it's is why... It's Sam Jackson saying it right. in Django Unchained. Right. It's where you're just like, oh no, you you it's, also can't say that word. It, it, one of the issues I've had reading him, and I, I, I was so... When I first wrote this and um, a while ago... Uh, I actually consulted with a friend of mine who was a... Was it one of the Jewish men that no, you had a meal with? No, it was a okay. man who was trained as a Jesuit who's a friend of mine, and we've kept a friendship going online. And I wrote him, and just saying, as a Christian, I have this terrible feeling about Paul. You know, he's narcissistic. He's completely he's um, self-absorbed. He's doing all these horrible things. And I wrote this going, I'm writing this to a person who was trained as a Jesuit. I wondered if I hurt their feelings, and he sent me back a thumbs up. He's not going to hurt you. First of all, most, my, my experience with Jesuits is mm. it's hard to hurt their feelings. They're very chill. But they're also highly educated people. And they are, and they know that, how to look at things critically. Right. They also look at the Bible as a historical text. Right. Like a... Like a like not like a storybook, but kind of like well, a storybook. Well, because parts it's of history, the, but it's also not parts a of the Bible history. are intended to be read that yes. way. Yes, um, yeah. Nobody said "Song of Songs" is a right. like that's a poem. That's a love poem, yo. It's, it's a love <laughs> poem and perhaps a wedding song. I'm not sure exactly because there's a chorus to it. But I mean, when we're looking at at Paul, these comments, it's like it's he's both contradicting. He's giving himself value to his Jewishness and then utterly rejecting his Jewishness and saying that it was rubbish. So you can understand how this comes across divorced from this. And when you read comments about Christian thinkers addressing the issue, they refer to the Jewish Christians who wanted to insist on circumcision as Judaizers. Which that's a, feels really weird. That it feels... seems to carry on this sort of feeling of it's us against them. Yeah, and I... I have a I have trouble with the term anti-Semitism, not mm -hmm. because I do not believe that there is anti-Semitism all over the place, because there absolutely is. Right. But too often it is used um, when you are I don't know, like skeptical of Israel's foreign policy decisions. Right, and we have to separate it from that. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, it gets thrown about as improperly. soon as you say something bad about what Israel is doing, you're right. you're called an I've been called an anti-Semite so yeah. for that, and I'm like, okay, but it has zero to do with anybody's Jewishness, and right. one hundred percent to do with war crimes and right. genocide. So, um, 
that's, I just have trouble with that term just because it has now become this amalgamation of you can't say anything about this whole group of people and area of the world because they've been through enough. And I'm just like, well, no, that's not. Well, this isn't, that's not that's even what not the issue is. The issue is yeah. that the leadership is making really bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. it's just like, I yeah. have issues with, oh, I don't know, North Korea. But do yeah. I have issues with North Koreans? No. No. I have, they, North Koreans on the day to day aren't doing anything horrible. Right. They are being abused and the decisions for their country are being made by a monster. Uh, a literal madman. When Trump was the president here, yes, I did not take offense to America is a garbage because Mm-mm. it was being run by a man who was making it garbage. Right. Like, that is our name. Well, there's a word for the country, but we don't use those words here. Um, so, uh, so, so the, I just said anti-Semitic, but this feels very anti-Semitic. Well, the issue is, again, this feels truly when you divorce that from what he's saying, he said, it's very much, and this is going to sound really offensive to some people, it's very much like listening to Candace Owens talk about black people. Okay, yeah. Yeah, where yeah, yeah. it's like, I'm black, but look at these horrible things that black people yep. do, and black people deserve what they're getting. And they deserve, yeah. And or Larry Elder's. Larry Elder's defense of, of George Zimmerman. George also. Zimmerman, because black men are the ones that, right. black so kids are the ones that he's claiming that, crimes. Yes, it's unfortunate that a young black man died, but maybe young black men should stop committing crimes. And equally, what you said, reparations should be given to slave owners because they lost property. They lost property. And I'm just like, so you look in the mirror every day and see property and not people? Right. But that's the same sort of feeling that I get reading St. Paul, where it's, again, I'm I'm speaking purely as a a Jew. And then he goes on, Hebrew of Hebrews, I'm a better Jew than you are, and I see this. And also... Right. If I could burn the Jew out of me, I would. That's right. what it, it sounds like. It feels very it? weird. And it gets stranger. So there's a, a, a story that you're going okay. to read. I apologize right. for the length. Guys, get, get ready because I am reading you a story. But you're reading time. the story. You're not reading necessarily his words, which are put off in a sort of a legal lease, as you probably noticed, where he yeah, keeps backtracking. Yeah, his writing is bad. It, yeah, <laughs> probably was better in the first translation, but the 14th or 15th, yes, it, it lacked something. A good example of the kind of conflict that was going on is found in Galatians. Paul is the only source to the story, so keep that in mind. Oh, good. It's a he said and nobody else said it. There's no contradiction for the last 2,000 years. All right. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who are of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of the false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of gospel might continue with you. But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man, for those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was committed to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, 
Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. We should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. Now when Peter and I had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated themselves, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of the Gentiles and not the Jews, then why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified in faith by Christ and not by the works of the law. For the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live through God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, I do not set aside in the grace of God, for the righteousness comes through the law. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Galatians 2. Woof. So okay. this story always upsets me. It's like gossip about famous and important people who can't defend their reputation. This is why I personally don't like Paul. Jesus appointed Peter to be the head of the church, particularly in Jerusalem. And Paul not only tries to discredit him, but also reassign his importance in the church, describing him as a transitional man who passed the reins of authority to Paul himself. Hold up, hold up, hold up. That story was basically... Okay, there are ways to tell Jews and Gentiles apart other than their penises, right? Right. Because otherwise, are they just all walking around, well, remember, penis out? Like, there, I don't understand. There are dietary laws. Okay. So when and Paul was facial hair um, different, do you think, or I, was there everybody were traditions just about that, but I'm not sure exactly facial hair because they didn't right. have razors or whatever. Okay. So I'm not sure the um, the extent to which you could tell apart back then, but the but it's dietary restrictions. So Paul is eating with the Gentiles, but he also eats with the Jews, but he doesn't eat with them together. Wait, he won't eat with the Gentiles in front of the Jews, and he won't fr- eat right. with the Jews in front of the Gentiles. Now, Peter is, remember, his name... Um, we could certainly party with the Hadians. I'm right. sorry. <laughs> he, Jesus assigns him the name, gives him the name Peter, which means rock. the rock. Yeah. This is the rock on which I build my church. Um, the Vatican is literally built on the tomb of St. Peter. I know, I've been there. You've been there. <laughs> so the thing is that Peter, um, and again, that's for Catholics, but in the larger Which, sense of Christianity. How did get all the way up? Anyways, it doesn't matter. Well, they, they took him up <laughs> They there. moved him? Okay, they took him um, up. But okay. the, the, the idea is that in a carriage Catholic, Protestant, whatever stripe of Christianity, Peter was given the authority of the church by Jesus Christ. And Paul Paul's was literally like, Peter said it's cool if I take it, though. Right, but he's saying, <laughs> I did the same thing for Gentiles that Peter did for Jews. Now, mind you, this completely ignores the fact the first 
evangelist to the Gentiles was Philip. The first Gentile converted was an African from Ethiopia. The first Gentile convert who was pagan was under Peter, but Paul is now claiming that that was his leadership. Of course. And that God gave him this position. Paul is a narcissist and a liar. (laughs) So it's important to define Christianity as something new, uh, as something other than a Jewish sect, but Paul did it by assuming the authority that Jesus had passed on to other people. He might have been felt that it was justified because it meant stopping the Jewish Christians from tampering with the new faith. There are some scholars who are reinvestigating Paul trying to find his motives from a Jewish context. They claim, with some validation, that Paul's harshest criticism is not really anti-Semitism, but a way to attempt to stop Jewish Christians who saw circumcision and dietary restrictions as a way of keeping Gentiles out of the church. Thousands of years later, in an almost exclusively Gentile Christianity, the struggle with Jewish Christians is recontextualized into tirades about the awful Jews which is what it becomes now. We don't have a Jewish Christian church in any great number. I know. I would like to at some points talk about Jews for Jesus right. because it is confusing to And the me. thing is, what? but they have a right to exist. I, I, that's fine. Right. And I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to. Mm, yeah, I, it's, it's I a think large it's a discussion issue and I would like had. to talk about it. And I would maybe mm. like to talk about it with somebody who would consider themselves that. Right. And or I'm, read up, right? I, maybe read something by I've, somebody who would consider themselves I've known that a few over time. I, I don't, yeah, I don't even want to talk about it because I have I have many things to say, and I right. don't it, I don't think now is the time of the place. But I do want to let's talk. Let's right, do, no, but it has to be a really informed opinion because yes. there's so much involved. Well, with that. I have questions. Mm-hmm. Right. So we'll start there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want to be like it's not real or it's BS. And there's some people who are just I'm, violently angry about the issue, and they I don't want to bring don't, that up. Get it. Well, the idea is that they're seeing Christianity as an extension of Judaism. Because what? Jesus is a Jewish rabbi teaching, yes. in, and a lot of what he does falls within the parameters of right. a Jewish tradition. So you mm-hmm. could see him that way as well. Right, but if you define Christianity as accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. is are they doing that? Yes, they are. Then they're Christian. Right, but they're also culturally Jews. Uh, okay, this is this is my problem. Uh, Jewishness is two things. Jewishness well, it's is three things. Remember, it's, a, it's an ethnic uh-huh. identity or a cultural identity. Right. It's a religion, and then sometimes it's both of those together. See, but oftentimes it's only one of those. Here's things. the argument that we have that goes to even the naming of our program. Yeah. Work faith without works is dead. But as you've seen there, Paul believes that faith alone saves a person. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah. So. He's saying, but he makes an interesting point, which can be made, which is, what was Abraham before he makes this pact with God? Abraham wasn't a Jew. He's just a dude. He makes a just pact a with... a dude in the desert. <laughs> he makes a pact with God. He agrees to the circumcision. He agrees to the dietary laws. And then he's pronounced this new thing. But he didn't... There was no genetic difference between him and everyone else in the region. That's true. So he becomes a Jew um, through making this... And then this, just... Mm, I, I guess... It's it's the definition that, thing. There's, it's the definition where thing. Paul, and it goes to Zionism uh-huh. and Israel right. as a country and what yes. now, they what, do versus What Paul Jewish is claiming is that Paul's faith made him Jewish, ignoring completely that he has these rules to follow and this procedure uh, to have. His circumcision happened before he had any kind of faith. He was eight days old. Right. Well, no, no, he wasn't. He started circumcision as a practice. He had himself circumcised as an adult man. 
he makes this pact with God as an adult and agrees that he and his people will be circumcised. I'm sorry, I forgot that he he was not a Jewish man. Abraham? No, I'm talking about Paul. No, Paul was. Paul. What I'm saying is that when okay. what Paul's point was, which again is a valid point, is that well, Abraham was something, and then by agreeing to do these things, he starts the Jewish nation, but is, yes. they were not different. They were not genetically different. Right. They it's were not, not tribally like different. Black um, people are Jews and white people are not Jews right. or whatever whatever no, it is. It was a group of people who set no themselves. Hey guys, you know what's not in the Bible? Anywhere? <laughs> white people. <laughs> but in other words, if the catalyst for him becoming a Jew was doing these these rituals and agreeing to do them, then what he was before doesn't matter to what he is now. Yeah. So that was Paul's point. Of course, then being Paul, he takes it completely off the rails later on. Yeah, yeah. So it's often you find that's the frustrating part with him. He'll make a really interesting point, as we saw with Vessels of Wrath. Why does God do this? Well, and then his conclusion is because God can hate people if he wants to because he's God. Yeah, um, I don't worship that entity. Right. That seems uh, but as, fruitless. As we me. can see here, the people who are trying to reclaim his reputation are saying what he was really trying to do was to stop Jewish Christians from using the dietary laws and circumcision as an excuse to not give any offices in the church to Gentiles. Sure, but if he did was, it badly. Right. He well, did it we badly. also have to remember that there's him, and it's impossible to read any of the passages we read today without running right into his personality. Oh, yeah. Which is loud and noisy and incredibly self-serving. Yeah. Um, just Big the, pile of yuck. Right. Don't like him. The Don't want to have he, a meal with him. He absolutely... Well, yeah, you wouldn't have to worry about that. But um, He wouldn't have a meal with me anyways. Right. I'm a lady. He's You're not sitting with me. He's probably like Mike Pence. There isn't a conclusion we can come to with this one. It seems like Paul made a necessary severance in separating Jewishness from Christianity, but in a typically self-promoting way, in a way that made him the future, the uh, way that made him the future head of the church to people who endorse his kind of faith. Paul doesn't seem to have intended to separate from his own people or intended to harm them, but those things are thrown onto his words. He did, however, do it in such a divisive and angry way that that echo of the evil Jews are coming to get you has come across centuries. So yes, I can understand completely why he is a target of a lot of dislike from the Jewish community, but also, as we've seen, dislike from women who he thinks should have all, you know, have to stay quiet in church and wear long hair from uh, people because I am certain there were pagan homosexuals who wanted to enter the church or even... Jewish homosexuals who were in danger of practicing out loud in their faith, um, anybody who he did not, and he's still, again, he's still dictating, according to Jewish traditions, who can and who can't be righteous, but at the same time rejecting Judaism. So I think that his very confused message has wrecked things over the centuries. So what I'd like to say in closing is that we apologize for not having put out an episode sooner. I put out a statement um, in the passing of a friend of ours, a mutual mm. friend who's very close to us and uh, kind of a catalyst in some ways for our friendship, which has gone on for so long. And he was a very wonderful man. Mm. And so it's been difficult to kind of proceed with it because there's, there's the shock of his very sudden demise.
So um, we apologize for that. And uh, remember, we will be remembering the life of David Lubin yes. and the friend that he was to us and uh, the kind of... Uh, the, uh, who was Jewish, as a matter of yep. fact. So may his memory be a blessing. Yes, absolutely. So that's, again, forgive us for the, the tardiness. Um, we have an internet home with OutworksPodcast.com. Our show notes and links to stories we talk about can be found there. Can be found there. If you like the show, please subscribe, uh, leave us a review, uh, share it with a friend. Uh, I've been busy, but I will try to. We will be trying to do more episodes. The world's a crazy place, y'all. <laughs> it's uh, wild out here. A little so. faith helps. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Without Works Pod. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, by searching Without Works Podcast in the search bar, and you can email us at withoutworkspod at gmail.com. If you go to the website, uh, all of those links are easily there for you, so you can find them. Uh, I've been Amity, and he's been Lemuel, and we urge you to get vaccinated and do something good.